great to be back here on a beautiful, chilly fall morning in Atlanta. Um, you may have noticed, folks, that there's l- a little bit of stuff going on in immigration. Uh, yesterday, I had the opportunity to be on Political Rewind with Bill Nygut down at uh, Georgia Public Broadcasting to talk about what appears to be just sheer craziness uh, at the border uh, and to talk about some of the things that have been going on in immigration over the last, really, week. Um, you, you would hope that uh, the federal government would at least uh, be quiet for a week or so around Thanksgiving so we could, we could give, give thanks for the great blessings we have to live in the United States. But um, no, apparently politics never cease with this administration. So let's get right into it. I mean, we talked a couple weeks ago about uh, Donald Trump's uh, attempt to uh, claim that he was going to issue an executive order that ended uh, the right to uh, citizenship for birth in the United States, except for diplomats. Diplomatic kids do not receive citizenship if they're born in the U.S. because they are not subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. Um and I have had clients just go, oh, my God, my, my kid, what's happened to me? I'm not legal. My kids are born. They're going to take their citizenship away? No, no. I mean, this, this is what happens when you have uh, a president who simply doesn't care about the law, doesn't care what the law says. Uh, if he thinks he has a better idea, that's just what he's going to talk about. Uh, and it causes panic among people. And that's, I think, uh, Jeb Bush was right. When he called Trump the chaos candidate, he is he is a he is a whirlwind of chaos. He's the Tasmanian devil of chaos, uh, and so anything that he can say to whip up chaos makes him happy because it keeps him at the center of this of this tornado, in the calm of the eye, so to speak. Uh, so people are becoming, I mean, just completely unhinged. This idea that, that they're going to take my citizenship away, they're going to take my kids' citizenship away, people, it's not going to happen. Period. Not only does the Constitution clearly dictate that birth in the United States results in citizenship except for the children of diplomats, but just as important, the United States Congress has said exactly that same thing uh, as part of the Immigration and Nationality Act uh, that you can find online or anywhere you'd like to to go uh, and uh, online to see, hey, the Immigration Nationality Act, Section 301, uh, says the following shall be nationals and citizens of the United States at birth. A, a person born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, among other people that are born in the United States, which include, by the way, um, anybody who's an Indian, Eskimo, Aleutian, or other Aboriginal tribe, uh, a person born outside the U.S., both of whose parents are U.S. citizens, and one of whom has resided in the U.S. prior to that person's birth. Next, a person born outside the United States, one of whose parents is a citizen who's physically been in the U.S. for one year prior to birth. Third, a person who's born outside the United States, whose parents have been physically present for one year prior to the birth of that person. And finally, a person of unknown parentage found in the United States while under the age of five uh, is a U.S. citizen, uh, among lots of other people who are U.S. citizens. But the most important of is right there, A, a person born in the United States and subject to this jurisdiction thereof. Um, and it's funny, when you think about the way, the way Congress framed this statute, 
is slightly different from the Constitution itself. So I'll read it again. The following shall be nationals and citizens of the United States at birth. A person, person has legal meaning, a person is a human being, born in the United States, physically born here, and subject to the destruction. So that person, that kid, not the parents, that kid has to be subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. Well, if the kid is born here, and, and the only meaning you can take from that additional phrase is if they're the child of diplomats, because a child of a diplomat would not be subject to the jurisdiction of the United States because they'd be a citizen of that country, that's the only exclusion. So this idea that Trump can take your citizenship away, I mean, he can keep smoking that pipe, but the only smoke that's going to come out of it is birthright citizenship. Ah, the next thing that Trump did, which uh, caused him to be shut down uh, wildly fast, within days, was his executive order um, saying that you're not allowed to apply for asylum uh, if uh, you are uh, not applying at a port of entry. Uh, that if you come into the country without permission, illegally, undocumented, uh, you cannot apply for asylum. Um, yeah, that was struck down right away as well. Uh, that was struck down because of the Immigration Nationality Act, uh, Section 208, which says, A, authority to apply for asylum. One, in general, any alien, an alien, by the way, is the legal term, legal word, used to describe someone who is not a U.S. citizen. So an alien who is physically present in the United States or who arrives in the United States, open parentheses, whether or not at a designated port of arrival, and including an alien who was brought to the United States after having been interdicted in international or United States waters, close paren, irrespective of such alien status, may apply for asylum in accordance with this section. There are exceptions, and this is where Trump is getting it right. Uh, so the first rule is he cannot stop somebody who enters illegally from applying for asylum. He simply doesn't have the authority under federal law. Uh, Congress is the ultimate authority on immigration law, not the executive branch. Uh, and the executive branch only has authority on, us, on immigration insofar as Congress allows that authority. So here, here is the key exception, a safe third country. Paragraph 1, that is the ability to apply for shall not apply to an alien if the, United, if the Attorney General determines, and really this is really kind of the DHS, is supposed to be, it should be the DHS Secretary, but determines that the alien may be removed pursuant to a bilateral or multilateral agreement to a country, open print, other than the country of the alien's nationality, or in the case of an alien having no nationality, the country's last habitual residence, close print, in which the alien's life or freedom would not be threatened on account of race, religion, nationality, membership, or political opinion, and where the alien would have full access to a full and fair procedure for determining a claim to asylum, unless the Attorney General finds that it's in public interest for the alien to receive asylum in the United States. So what does that mean? That means if we have an agreement, either bilateral or multilateral, with another country, we can say to somebody, we're not going to let you apply for asylum here because this other country is going to take you and let you apply for asylum there. 
thing about asylum is that you're seeking protection from your own government, from your own country, from the things that are happening in your own country. And international law says, yes, you deserve protection, but not necessarily in the country of your choice, uh, but rather in the country that will accept you. And so we do have a safe third country agreement with Canada. And there are limitations on that. And generally speaking, uh, we send somebody to Canada who transited Canada to come to the United States to apply for asylum. So the Trump administration over the weekend uh, announced uh, that uh, it was, um, uh, 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 how would you say it, that that they had actually uh, entered into an agreement with Mexico uh, for purposes of this third safe, this third country thing, uh, that they had done this. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, that, that came as a surprise uh, to a lot of people. A lot of people was like, whoa, Mexico entered into a safe third country agreement with the United States right before, um, I mean, right before uh, the new president of Mexico takes office. Uh, that seems uh, that seems like craziness that they would do that. Um, except the government of Mexico, the incoming government of Mexico, current government said, yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, and the incoming government said, yeah, that, that we have no agreement with the United States. So it's unclear exactly what the Trump administration is referring to as part of this safe third country agreement um, with Mexico. Now, if true... If there were a safe third country agreement with Mexico, um, then at that same time, um, you would be able to return any asylum seekers in the United States who transited Mexico to Mexico for that process, uh, to hear that process. And so you've got the uh, government of Mexico saying the following. This is the Washington Post from two days ago. Uh, Mexico's incoming government denied a report Saturday from the Trump administration that it plans to allow asylum seekers to wait in their country while their claims move through the U.S. immigration courts. One of several options the Trump administration has been pursuing in negotiations for months. The deal was seen as a way to dissuade thousands of Central Americans from seeking asylum in the U.S., a process that can take years. Quote, this is from the future interior minister. There is no agreement of any sort between the incoming Mexican government and the U.S. government. Hours earlier, the Washington Post had quoted that same person as saying that they had agreed to allow migrants to stay in Mexico as a short-term solution while the U.S. considered asylum applications. Um, And then finally she says, we agreed to to this policy to remain in Mexico. It appears that there has been a misunderstanding, perhaps a mistranslation, uh, that this agreement, this plan to save Mexico, does not equal a surf safe third country agreement. Uh, so this has been, you know, it's it's like being on the crazy train over this last weekend. When I saw that pop up, I thought to myself, wait a second, they are... They have an agreement? I, I, I just find that super hard to believe that they would have an agreement in place um, like that. It just doesn't make any sense uh, because that re- typically requires years of negotiation, um, and not, and which they just haven't done. Um, so this third safe third country agreement, which would 
mean that instead of applying in the United States, they would apply in Mexico. The same third country is, hey, you're not even going to apply here. You're going to apply in, in that other country, not in the United States. Um, if the Trump administration is saying, well, we will take your claim and then we'll let you know whether we approve it. And if we approve it, we'll let you come in. That's not a safe third country agreement. That's, that's something just a little bit different, just a little bit different. Uh, and maybe that difference is lost on the, the know-nothings in the Trump administration. But it seems to me uh, that they would be better off uh, maybe pursuing uh, the agreements that would actually work. But let's, you know, we're going to take a break here in a second. But one of the things I want to focus on is why, why all of a sudden do we have this, quote, crisis at the border when we had resolved this crisis several years ago after the initial efforts in 2013 and 2014 by the Obama administration to shut it down? Uh, you know, keep in mind, this is not the first time that groups of Central Americans are coming up here. They've been doing so since about... 1983, uh, because of the wars we initially started down there under the Trump under the under the uh, um, under the Reagan administration, uh, but it seems to me that uh, what we have now is simply just a big hot mess because the federal government under the Trump administration is not following the law. The chaos at the border is actually a direct result of the Trump administration not following existing federal law. If they would follow existing federal law, we will be able to process thousands of people in, in days at the port of entry, uh, rather than the hundred or so they've apparently limited it to at ports of entry along the southern border. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour in America's Web Radio. We'll be right back. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verifying your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently, uh, by the way, uh, on my car, in my car, because my new car has a podcast feature on the radio. Um, and uh, we've got to get, get our podcasts up there so I can listen to myself in the car. Now, David knows we our podcasts are everywhere. Uh, well, well, I think can't get the app to load in the car. 
Uh, they don't have the app, that part yet. It's, it's within another app. Uh, and so uh, thing called TuneIn. You ever heard of TuneIn? I'd never heard of it either. Um, uh, but it asked me for my password, and I said, well, I don't have an account. So I looked it up, and sure enough, it's like a, another version of Pandora. It's like, kind of like Pandora or iTunes. It's kind of another version of that. There's a million of these things out there. But I found some very interesting podcasts out there, uh, including this great conspiracy podcast. It's really entertaining. Uh, oh, something like stu- how stuff really works, or uh, it's something something like along those words. I'll email it to you. It's, it's a very interesting podcast. Um, I was listening to the one on Area Fifty One recently. Very interesting. Um, but they had one yesterday that I listened to on why the music we listen to is the music we listen to, and how very few people actually control what music you actually hear, and why all songs actually sound the same. Uh, <laughs> a very interesting podcast. Um, been around for a couple of years. So last last week, uh, I guess it's been two weeks ago, the Trump administration issued this order saying that you can't seek asylum unless you come to the port of entry or in the United States uh, legally. If you came illegally, immediately within 48 hours, they were in federal court. And no more than 48 hours later, a federal judge struck down the president's latest immigration order. You know, I find it hilarious. You know, there's a tweet for everything, David, uh, for Donald Trump. And there's that great tweet where he's complaining about all the executive orders that Obama is issuing, that Obama's governing by executive order. And yet Trump's executive orders are flowing far more freely and far more illegally than anything that I think Obama even considered doing at this point. Um, and this idea, it, 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 look at the chaos that Trump has created over the last two years, starting with the Muslim ban in 2017 that was so abrupt, CBP officers didn't even know how to enforce it. Uh, uh, right before this election, Trump orders uh, uh, $200 million worth of U.S. troops to the border to stop what he called an assault by a caravan of uh, uh, flip-flop-wearing Central Americans, uh, which uh, and it sent them to Texas, where they built 10 miles of razor-wire fencing before now they're going home, and the caravan is now in Tijuana, uh, a 1,000 miles away uh, from, uh, from the border. Uh, and um, But the, this summer, Trump's order to separate families, uh, for which no one has been held accountable yet, and for which, by the way, there are still a record number of children in U.S. detention, approaching 17,000 children that are in U.S. custody uh, separated from their parents. Um, And uh, 60 Minutes did a great piece on Sunday about this investigation, which apparently started long, long before uh, in the administration than it was ever admitted and involved far more children than ever was were, were ever admitted. Um, and they did a really great job talking to people in the know about this. Um, for example, the guy named Scott Schuchart uh, worked at Homeland Security Headquarters in the Office of Civil Rights and Civil Liberties. Um, it, the order that came down to separate families literally did not go through the usual review. Uh, he actually never saw it. Um, you know, didn't talk about record keeping, uh, who's going to be put with whom. Um, people were removed to countries where there were, without there being good records of what adult went with what child. And that's what they found in this internal Homeland Security investigation. 
at one border station, quote, made no effort to identify and reunite families prior to the removal of the United States. The DHS Inspector General says the agency was, quote, not fully prepared, close quote, and, quote, struggled to provide accurate, complete, reliable data on family separations, close quote. The report found incompatible computer systems erased data that connected children with their families. Um, Cecilia Munoz, who, by the way, has no business uh, really commenting on this, said, quote, I don't know what part of your soul has to be missing. Quote, we'll take an infant from its mother with no provision about how they will ever be back together again. They might never see each other again. And yet Munoz is the one that handled the Obama administration domestic policy council and immigration. Um, trust me, the Obama administration was no example to the world about how this should have been happening. Uh, Munoz says this, and this part I, I actually agree with. We have a broken immigration system. I've been working on this policy area for 30 years, and I've known Cecilia Munoz for most of those 30 years. I'll be the first to say we have a broken system. The question is what we do to fix that. We lack the political will to fix it. And I'm going to tell you, our immigration system could have been fixed in 1990, but was, uh, but they didn't finish the process because we didn't appreciate in 1990, right after the amnesty, the need we would continue to have for low-skilled labor. And that's where most of the undocumented immigration came from. And we wanted people to come legally. We put a system in place in 1990 to allow them to come legally, but we didn't appreciate the numbers appropriately to account for the great demand that we would have for service and agricultural industries. Cecilia says this, we lack the political will to fix it. And that's what we do. We live crisis to crisis, and it's on all of us. Um, we need to fix this. Uh, now, the Trump administration, their immigration policy is being run out, of, run out of a small office staffed by Stephen Miller at the White House, and then backed up by the spineless uh, John Kelly and Kristen Nielsen, Kirsten Nielsen, who refused to stand by the principles like border uh, border uh, troops, uh, U.S. U.S. troops on the border being allowed to shoot within the United States to enforce U.S. domestic laws. They know that's illegal. They said it was illegal, but they backed down instead of just resigning. An honorable person would have absolutely resigned their office rather than allow that to go forward. But instead, they enable, they allow, they permit. And that's why you get what you get. Um, so you have Stephen Miller, who is this 32-year-old know-nothing, who does not, does not care about the consequences. Oh, he knows the consequences. He doesn't care about the consequences. Uh, and as his, uh, as his own uncle would say, uh, that Miller would deport his own grandfather from the United States. Um, so it's really... Uh, just stunning. But I would encourage you to watch the 60 Minutes piece uh, from Sunday, uh, which talks about the policy and how the Trump administration uh, really conducted a program that was intent on exactly what ended up happening, creating horrific scenes. Um, where they told it, they told us a parent, oh, your child is going to take a shower, get some medical treatment. And the parent would never see the child again. Um, this is... Uh, this is outrageous. Uh, it's, um, I mean, it's, uh, words don't describe how horrific that this is happening. It's third-worldy is what it is. It's third-worldy. It's things that happen in other countries, not the United States. Uh, things that 
we would never thought to happen here. Uh, Cecilia Munoz said this. Um, they found that the deterrent message failed to turn back immigrants. So your life is at risk unless you start running drugs for us, they're, they're told the child to buy gangs. If you're thinking much more about your safety today and tomorrow than you're thinking about what's going to happen to me once we get to our destination. Um, so people literally have a choice to make. Flee your country to wherever. I mean, the idea is the United States because many have relatives and friends in the United States uh, or even Mexico. Or stay behind and let your daughter get raped and your son get involved in the drug trade and maybe you get extorted and killed. Um, it is... Um, it is stunning to me. Um, Scott uh, Shukart, who is who is the head of the Office of Civil Rights at DHS, quit his job this last year. Um, and uh, he'd asked about that. You quit your job. You wonder why, Scott Pelley asked. And Shukart said, I have taken an oath to uphold the Constitution. We are being asked as a department to do something that violated the civil rights and civil liberties of persons. And my office was being frozen out of that process. That wasn't a job responsibly for me to do. Um, it is um, no senior official, by the way, would speak with 60 Minutes about this. Um, and while uh, the White House says that there were 2,600 children detained still, various agencies uh, say, no, there's actually 5,000 children detained. And actually the most recent numbers say upwards of 17,000 children are currently in the HHS system. Uh, this is a nightmare for the United States. Uh, this is something that will take a generation to overcome and to fix. Uh, and that's only if Trump is gone after four years. And David and I both think he's actually going to be here for eight years. Um, I, I mean, I, I, David, you agree with that? He's, he's going to get reelected, isn't he? Yeah, David David agrees. He's, I think he's going to get reelected too, regardless of the fact that he has a 38% approval rate. I think that this is turning out to be uh, the nightmare that David would tell you. I predicted. Go back and listen to my podcast from the fall about exactly before the election, about exactly what would happen if Trump was elected president. And this is happening literally right in front of our eyes. Right in front of our eyes, uh, this nightmare is unfolding. Uh, and it's unfolding this way because the people that run the administration on immigration policies issues are haters. They hate immigrants of all kinds, but mostly ones that don't look like you and I. Uh, and it's it's still, I think I still have a lot of friends that are immigration lawyers that are stunned that this is happening. They can't believe that this is happening. Um, but I will tell you, it is happening. And it's happening because we still are not fighting hard enough, yelling loud enough, uh, effectively arguing and carrying out our points to a portion of how we fix this terribly broken immigration system that allows the president this much power uh, to literally hurt people. Now, this last thing that happened this weekend, the idea of tear gas... Uh, women and children being tear gassed uh, because a hundred people uh, went to the border fence to try to climb over it. Now, you're going to tell me that the Border Patrol can't handle a hundred people climbing over a fence? 
without shooting tear gas into Mexico. They weren't shooting tear gas at the fence. They shot tear gas into a sovereign country. Tear gas, which is barred by the Geneva Convention in warfare, they're shooting into this area. And they know that women and children are there. This idea that Trump floated today, well, they're not really these people's children. They belong to other people. I mean, you can have them. I mean, the guy, the guy, the guy is broken. Uh, he's, a, he's a broken human being, so not worth paying attention to anymore except in how he destroys people's lives. Uh, th- these pictures uh, you will see uh, in campaign ads against Trump uh, and against everybody who supports Trump's immigration policies. Uh, they are powerful. <laughs> and they don't show even the whole story. There are pictures out there that I think show even more powerfully, even more difficultly, uh, how uh, this will end very poorly for, uh, for the United States unless we get our act together on the immigration program. Let's take a break on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, it is, um, uh, it's just crazy to me how immigration just stays at the top of the news every day, David. Um, I get, I, I sign up for Google Alerts. Maybe some of your listeners use Google Alerts, and I just use the word immigration. Uh, and when I, I did this initially about, whew, Google Alerts started maybe 10 or 15 years ago, and I would get, Maybe an article a day. Maybe a, day, a couple of days go by. There'd be nothing in the news about immigration. And today, there is always um, uh, a uh, uh, every day a dozen articles, two dozen articles about this. But one that really struck me uh, was uh, this idea about comprehensive immigration reform. David, you hear this? We talk about this a lot in the show over the years. Comprehensive CIR, comprehensive immigration reform. Now that the Democrats control the House, we can, you know, not going to happen. I don't see comprehensive immigration reform happening. And the Democrats have a burden to carry, David, now that they've won in a landslide uh, with this blue wave that actually ends up materializing 
because California has uh, – is there any Republicans left in California? There might be like three, I think, left that, that are out there. They'll be gone next election, I imagine. But think about this. The Democrats now have 200 and almost 40 votes, 235 votes in the House. They can, of course, bring up anything they want to. What are the three issues that they ran on in this election? Health care, the economy, and immigration. So they're going to be under a great deal of pressure from a lot of, quote, activists to have some sort of immigration bill on the floor in January up for a vote. Now, I think it would be foolish to try to do comprehensive reform at this point. Uh, I think the best thing to do would be to start making payments, down payments on immigration reform by starting with, the, with let's say, the low-hanging fruit, DACA kids. Now, there was an agreement with the Trump White House in 26, 2017 that DACA kids will get a path to citizenship, and in return, Trump will get his $25 billion wall, and we'll all be happy. Um, but then Trump said, no, 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 that doesn't, I need more. You have to wonder, David, why would he not just take the wall? Why did he want more? Now, this is a, is a common Trump negotiating tactic, by the way, if you've read Art of the Deal, uh, which has sold over a million copies in the last 30 years, which is only 400,000 less than Michelle Obama sold in one weekend of her book, by the way. Uh, if you read his book, he's always his Art of the Deal is basically ask for the moon, threaten to walk away, and wait for the other side to cave. That's his, that's his negotiating strategy. Um, now, the funny part about that is it's worked part of the time in his life. It hasn't worked in other parts of the time. But he's willing to go to the brink. He's willing to say, okay, well, I'll close the government. I mean, don't give me a wall, I'll close the government. He doesn't care about the consequences of his actions so long as he himself gets what he wants at the end of the day. So now you have the, these Democrats, which have, they have to. There's a coalition to put them in office, demands that they do something about Obamacare that effectively fixes it, that they do something uh, that continues to enhance the economy, uh, that perhaps they deal with gun control, but I think the, the key issue among those is immigration because it's an easy fix. So you put on the table, Donald Trump, here's your wall. In return for your wall, here's what we're going to get. We're going to get green card status for, uh, for DACA kids. Anybody with TPS is going to have a green card status because they've been here for 20 years anyway, longer than the DACA kids in many instances. Um, and we're going to fix our little tweaks to our legal immigration system. We're going to do away with the per-country limits. Uh, we're going to um, uh, maybe expand the available number of visas uh, in certain categories of high-skilled people that we need here in the United States. Just simple little things. And in return, Donald, we're going to give you $25 billion for the wall. We're going to let you hire 20,000 Border Patrol agents. Because ultimately, and I, we had this discussion yesterday on a political rewind, the issue of undocumented immigration is an issue of the past, not necessarily an issue of the future. So we have, we have had a relatively constant 11 million people here that are undocumented. Some will tell you there's a lot more. I honestly don't, I don't believe that. From on, on the ground vista, I don't believe that. Um, and so it hasn't been increasing. If 
the level rise in illegal immigration had stayed on the course it was in from 1994 through 2008, you would expect there to be upwards of 30 million undocumented immigrants in the United States today. That was the path we were on. But demographics have drastically changed that, especially for Mexico. We talked about it on the show, the actual demographics from Mexico um, have drastically changed that. And so you're seeing different types of immigrants coming, most of them now from Central America, but they are fleeing a very specific thing. Now, part of this idea uh, of a fix to legal immigration comes from a letter from 300 different organizations urging the Democratic-controlled House to move forward on legislation that gives DACA kids and TPS holders uh, legal permanent legal status in the United States. Um, and it, it's urgent because we simply don't know, you know, is the Supreme Court going to take the DACA case? When are they going to hear the DACA case? And this would allow upwards of about a million people, 700,000 DACA kids and 300,000 uh, DTPS people, to continue to legally be in the United States. Uh, but here's the deal. Republicans themselves are split over immigration. Now, there were a number of candidates who lost their election in the House this year because of the immigration issue. Uh And you would think that given the fact that the Senate in 2020 uh, has basically the reverse type of scenario that the Democrats just faced, where, David, I think there's 34 seats up for grabs, and I think only 10 of them are Democrats, and the rest are Republicans, and they are defending seats in some states where they have a serious chance of losing, including here in Georgia. Uh, I think David Perdue's seat is definitely at risk for the GOP here. Talking to a GOP analyst yesterday, and he absolutely agrees with me. In fact, he thinks that Perdue may not even run for re-election. One, he's a wildly ineffective senator, uh, wildly ineffective. Uh, two, he doesn't like the job. He doesn't like what he does. Uh, and three, I, they don't think he can win because his support in Metro Atlanta is zero. And there's just not going to be enough votes to drag him along in the next election. Um, so if we have this idea that the Republicans, unless they come around on a key issue like immigration, where, yes, there are certain illegal immigrant zealots in, this, in the Senate, like David Perdue and Tom Cotton, but you don't need their votes. You need McConnell's willingness. In fact, I think McConnell's up. Yeah, McConnell is up in 2020, isn't he? Susan Collins is up in 2020. So you've got a situation where uh, if he says, you know what, we're going to have a vote on this um, because a dozen Republicans come to him and say, look, I don't care if my colleagues vote against it, but I need to vote for something on immigration. I need to be, I need to be viewed as a fixer, as somebody that's going to try to resolve things, and I'm willing to vote on this bill. But, again, I don't think McConnell's going to do that. David, you agree with me, right? McConnell's not going to allow a vote on immigration. Not a chance. Unless Trump says... I want a deal. Now, Trump has a chance here. Hopefully his analysts are telling me that his anti-immigration rhetoric will not win him re-election in and of itself because of what's happened in these, these, this election just now. They would say, but if you stay strong on illegal immigration, but focus on fixing the broken immigration system and compromise, you'll be viewed as the great deal maker. 
you could be the guy that you can make deals with. Now, Trump's already pointed out to, to folks that your, your girlfriend, Nancy Pelosi, um, he wants her to be speaker. He wants her to be speaker. Uh, he thinks he can make a deal with Nancy Pelosi uh, on lots of different things. Now, that may be because Trump is actually a Democrat and hasn't told anybody yet, uh, like he was for the last 50 years of his life before he went for president. But it may be that maybe he senses, because I mean, the guy has great political instincts, maybe he senses, maybe I could get a fix on this. I could stay strong in immigration. I'll get my wall. I get my Border Patrol agents. And they can get what they want, and we'll all be happy going down the line. And then when I win a second term, I can bring some Republicans with me. We can get to control the House back, and then we can go back and just destroy the whole system again. I don't know. This is uh, – it is uh, a chess game. It's like, and somebody once told me that Trump is playing three-dimensional chess. He just doesn't know it, uh, that he's doing that. Uh, so let's say we took a narrower approach. So you could put – uh, the DREAM Act of 2017, the American Promise Act, uh, put them together, put them on the House floor, and literally vote them out in in five weeks. Just vote them out of the Senate, out of the House, and put them in the put them in the Senate, and say, okay, it's your job to get this done. Um, the question is, will more will more zealous members of the Democratic Party say, no, I want the whole thing? This is always the problem, David. The middle ground is where I live. We, can, we have to cover. Okay, I don't like some of the stuff you like. You don't like some of the stuff I like. Okay. We can not like stuff together, but we can, we can actually move forward. Just America has been doing this for a very long time. Um, but if you insist, if I, in, in, in a party I'm in that says, no, we're, unless we do the whole shebang, we're not going to do it, and your party says, let's do the whole shebang, then, then we're going to keep the way we are. And the only reason to have elections then, David, is to have further arguments. It's not to put the right people in on the bus to fix the problems that we currently have. Um, so the Democrats have the votes. They would need 60 votes in the Senate. Um, could they get four, 13 or 14 Republicans to support an immigration bill? Hmm, probably. They could probably do that. It would be close, depending on what states they're up in. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of curious when we look at the states that uh, Senate's, uh, that the Senate uh, is defending in uh, in 2020. Um, are they um, uh, are, are they defending seats that um, that in fact they have a chance of losing? Because if that's the case, um, we are in a really interesting situation. So, for example, you have Cory Gardner in Colorado. Colorado, okay, um, probably he's going to be he's got he, that's a flip seat that they look at seat. You've got um, uh, in Arizona, uh, you've got the the uh, now uh, um, junior senator because Christian Cinema runs again. Uh, I think her race is up again, right? That's, yeah, that's right. She's up again in twenty twenty. Um, but uh, no, no, wait, no, no. She's in 2022. In 2020, who's the other? Oh, Kyle. Who's the other seat? Yeah, it's Kyle's is up if he doesn't resign. Uh, you've got um, the other Montana seat that's up. By the way, did Tester win? I don't even know if Tester won. I'll have to look that up. Maine is up. Maine could easily flip. Georgia could flip. Um, you've got Louisiana. That could flip. Uh 
Could Kentucky flip? Probably not. Iowa? Iowa might flip. Kansas? Kansas could easily flip. I mean, there's at least five flips right there um, that um, would then flip the control of the, the, of the Senate back to the, back to the Democrats. Uh, but the Democrats are do have most of the seats in the South. They probably are going to lose the uh, the Alabama seat, uh, which is a session seat. Um, so we'll see what happens on that. But I think there's real opportunities here uh, for the Republicans to lose seats, Democrats to pick them up, and we'd be in a uh, again a really close tie uh, in there uh, as part of that. Um, so let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar cómo, qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, 404-816-8611, o visítenos por el internet a www.immigration.net. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and Medical Director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Guy from Hey, welcome back. David and I were talking politics. I hard to believe that David and I talk politics here. Um, but uh, this is our last segment on today's today's episode of the Immigration Hour. I wanted to talk a little bit about this uh, event in Raleigh, North Carolina, this last weekend. There has been a gentleman uh, that for the last eleven months has been in a church. In uh, in North Carolina, uh, in seeking uh, 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 refuge there, seeking uh, sanctuary, uh, and uh, apparently he's apparently he's had a detainer on him or a warrant out for his arrest from the immigration office for a prior deportation order, and the church has been housing him. Apparently, he was supposed to uh, have his fingerprints taken. So he could apply to stay in the United States. So he left the City Well United Methodist Church. Uh, on um, on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, and was immediately detained by ICE agents uh, who arrested them himself. Um, uh, this fellow has um, been on appeal for years. He pre- he pleaded guilty to using false documents to try to enter the U- re-enter the U.S. in Texas after a trip outside the country. I mean, it, this guy. I mean, I feel bad for this guy, but. There's no defense. There's no forgiveness. There's no, you know, you plead into a charge like that, that's fraud. Even if your wife's a U.S. citizen, I mean, you came in illegally. You have a ten, you have a permanent bar. You're permanently barred. You have to literally live in your home country for 10 years. There's no, I mean, I, f- I feel bad for the guy. I mean, there's been, you know, apparently people love this guy and he's a wonderful guy. Um, and he faces threats in Mexico. Okay. The thing about, you know, his hometown of Veracruz. Mexico, David, and you know this, is a lot like the United States. You can live anywhere you want to. 
You don't have to go back to a terrible place. So let's say, David, you wanted to move to Montana. Could you do that? Yeah. Would they kick you out of Montana? Hmm. Probably not. If I wanted to go to Montana, would they kick me out? No. If I want to move to Tennessee, no, you can go. This is America, right? Mexico is the same way. You don't need permission to travel around Mexico. You don't need permission to move in Mexico. And say, well, he's afraid to go to Veracruz. Okay. Then go to Daffy. Go to, go to the federal district. Go to Cancun. Go to places that are safe. Uh, and uh, and I felt bad for this guy. I'd probably get some hate mail for saying this. But at the end of the day, he has no right to be there. I get it. It's terrible to be separated from your family. But there are consequences of actions. Uh, and, you know, when you make bad decisions, uh, you end up suffering because of it. And I get it. It's what My job is to help people ameliorate the consequences of bad decisions they make or stop them from making bad decisions um, and uh, uh, try to put them on the path to uh, where we're actually going, I mean, where we need to be, uh, how, how your life can be better. And um, uh, I, I just kind of felt bad for the guy, but I wanted people to realize that this is not abnormal. Now, David, during the break, you and I were talking about uh, uh, potential Democratic challengers to, to uh, Donald Trump, and I brought up that there had been some recent blurbs about Hillary Clinton. Um, now, that was written by a guy who used to work for Clinton but is now working for Trump. There is zero chance that Hillary Clinton's running for president. But she apparently had to open up her mouth in Europe this, or, this week in an article with, a newspaper article with The Guardian. And here's what Clinton says. And this is, this is why she should not be talking in public anymore. One thing I like about um, George Bush is, generally speaking, he keeps his mouth shut. He never, he never said anything about Obama. I mean, just, you know, I'm sure he didn't agree on some stuff. He's like, hmm. He'd say, you know, and that's what, that's what you probably should do. That's, that's what... You know, Clinton didn't say a whole lot. Bill didn't say a whole lot when George Bush was president. He kind of kept his mouth shut as well. Um, Obama, I mean, he, he's a little bit different guy, but, you know, Trump's been intentionally kind of drawing him out, and he's been, you know, sucked into that vortex. But Clinton, really, here's what she said, quote, I think Europe needs to get a handle on migration because it, 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 that is what lit the flame of nationalism. Really, Hillary? Really? You had to say that now, right? Now. So, Clinton suggests that immigration was inflaming voters and contributed to the election of Trump and Britain's vote to leave the EU. Could it not be your own terrible campaign? No, it can't, it can't possibly be my fault. Uh, yes, it, it generally, specifically, can be your fault. Um it, of course, this drew outrage from Europeans. Merkel was like, WTF? Uh, uh, I mean, what are you talking about? Here's what Hillary said in there. Quote, this is Hillary. I admire the very generous and compassionate approaches that were taken, particularly by leaders like Angela Merkel. But I think it is fair to say that Europe has done its part, and we must send a very clear message. We are not going to be able to continue to provide refuge and support. Because if we don't deal with the migration issue, we'll continue to roil the body politic. Do you, do you, are you cognizant of what's going on in the United States? Um, it, it, this actually seals the deal. She's definitely not running for squat in the, in the Democratic Party. And I don't think people are going to search out her support either. In fact, when the Democratic candidate is selected, David, to run against Trump in 2020, 
or against Mike Pence uh, in 2020, uh, it will be, they'll say, please, Hillary, I don't want your endorsement. I want you just to shut up and stay quiet. I don't need you out here. Please don't say anything. Um, uh, because, you know, Trump will just use her as a campaign tactic again and again and again. Um, so, you know, we've had this whole week of kind of craziness, David, on immigration. Maybe this week, over the next seven days, things will kind of slow down and calm down. Maybe we won't have any more uh, tear gas. But let me just get back to that as I conclude the show, David. Why, why are people rushing the border? Why is that happening? Here's why. So generally speaking, David, if you want to apply for entrance to the United States, you literally walk up to a port of entry, you present your passport with your visa, and they have, they have to process. That's law, federal law. They have to process you. And people were coming up with their foreign passports saying, I want asylum in the United States. And we have a legal obligation, as we explained. CBP then has a legal obligation to take them in and to go through a very, a very detailed, specific process that does take time. CBP said, we're overwhelmed. We can't take too many people. We're going to limit the number of people who can apply for asylum at a port of entry to 100, to rent 100 a day. 100 a day over a 24-hour period, 100 a day. Uh, so it's like five an hour. Now, why would they do that? Resources? Well, they have addition. They could bring more. If, if Trump went to Congress and said, look, you know, we've got an issue with the border. I need to hire 1,000 new asylum officers today. Okay, bam. Congress comes in, passes out there right there. So what you're seeing, this rush to the border by people who are waiting desperately for months in terrible conditions in Mexico, most of them in a soccer stadium near the border, they're just desperate. It just becomes an issue of desperation, which we could resolve. Now, here's the thing. Well, most of them are going to be denied. Yeah, I know. About 90% will be denied. I, I agree. That's going to happen. But we still need to process them as quickly as we possibly can for them to get back to where they're from. Now, why would Trump's intentionally slow walk these cases? Well, hopefully they'll call their relatives, but hey, don't come. You're just stuck here doing nothing. Don't come here. The idea is going to send a message. Well, that didn't work under the Obama, the Obama administration. The idea, we even did advertising. Obama did advertising in Central America. Don't come up. Don't come by. Now, there was also, David, a refugee policy out of El Salvador and Honduras for children, which the Trump administration ended. They ended it. So now you had a you had a you had a release valve on the pressure cooker, they they closed it off, and now the pressure cooker starts getting more and more pressure before it finally explodes, but the explosion Trump views as something good for him. These are terrible people. They're stealing children. They're tough guys. Border Patrol's got to use tear gas uh, against these people because they're they're flooding into the country. You know, the reporters on the ground say that's just really not happening. It was an act of desperation on Sunday. Now, Mexico is doing more on their side to bring troops to the border to try to limit the people that approach the border who don't have valid documentation. Um, Working on a safe third country agreement, a real safe third country agreement, is a valid option. Uh, And I will say Mexico has offered all the people the right to apply for asylum in their country. Uh, But these folks say, well, I don't want to do that. That's why a safe third country agreement is so vitally important. 
Uh, so we'll see what happens as we move forward on this. But it's been uh, it's really been um, a uh, a crazy time, and I hate that it's happening around Christmas. It just makes it sadder that it's happening around Christmas time. Uh, that we can't figure out a way to to end the immigration bashing and to figure out a way to you know let our bounty become other people's bounty as well and keep that message going forward. Uh, David, that's going to be it for this week. It's been a uh, been interesting. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. We prepare now for Christmas holidays coming up. Uh, do something good. It's Giving Tuesday today. Go out and give to your favorite charity. Help them help them do their job more effectively. And if you're looking for a charity, you don't have one in immigration, uh, look at the Immigration Council, the American Immigration Council, which does great work on behalf of immigrants through through the law, uh, not just changing one life at a time, but changing hundreds and thousands of lives at a time through effective litigation and, and, and immigration policy formation. This is Chuck Cook, your host of the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. If I can go forward just a little bit with what you're saying on uh, it is uh – as you know, more blessed to give than to receive. And we've taken on uh, Paradise, California. And, oh, that's uh, great, David. Uh, Jack uh, Wright that uh, brought us our Thanksgiving message, uh, pastor at Assembly of God Church, mm-hmm. and uh, he lost everything, his uh, home and his church. And he did a wonderful job on Thanksgiving Day of bringing us a, a message of, hope and of thanksgiving and uh, the number of things that he was thankful for. Well, David, and, how do we give to these folks? How do, how do we uh, use Giving Tuesday for them? Uh, you can uh, go to GoFundMe. Okay. And, uh, Who do we look for? Uh, Jack and Rhonda. Jack and Rhonda. And uh, that'll take you. And they, there are a number of uh, other, para- just Paradise Fire will get you there. Okay. And uh, I wanted to thank you, too. Uh, well, you're welcome, David. You're welcome. Uh, this is a unique opportunity for us to help our fellow Americans in ways that they desperately need our assistance. Uh, you know, and, and Char- uh, Charles, you may know this, because I don't have the answer, but one of the things that the people in Paradise, 12,000 homes were lost, so that's a lot of folks that oh, are without a home. That's right. And I kept thinking about all those trailers that the government bought for Katrina. You know, I know enough people with pickups. I'm not sure I'd want to be in those trailers today, my friend. They're still out there somewhere. In yeah, Texas. Where, but They're in the, Texas somewhere. Are they in Texas? That's what I asked her when they were in Texas. Thousands uh, of them. You know, and they were supposed to supposedly cleaned up and I know enough well, I know enough Texans that would volunteer to hook their pickup up and drag and haul tail to paradise. I know a lot of those trailers were pretty trashed, so hopefully they did yeah. fix them up. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know either, but uh, I, I think it, the, the, be- the best message is, is go to GoFundMe, look for the Paradise Fire, fa- Paradise Paradise Fire, look for Jack and Rhonda, and give them a little something this, this, this time of year to help them move their life and their faith forward. That's it for this week on Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Thanks, Charles. No, you're welcome. I hadn't thought about that. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.